Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are an Acts 2.42 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through his word and by his spirit. So, as Dave quite rightly said, we are finishing the Apostles' Creed series. Has everyone enjoyed it? I have enjoyed it, I must admit. I think kind of my, I'll use the word favorite, was when Lucas preached about the Holy Spirit. I i actually thanked Lucas. Although he's our senior leader and our senior pastor, it, it takes time to kind of go, go away into the choir place and prepare a word. And I actually think that word is very undervalued in the church in this day and age. The Holy Spirit is a very, very important part of who we are as believers, how we minister, how we live together. The unity that we have with each other can only come through that love of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're from such different backgrounds as people. I grew up in Liverpool, a place called Old Swan. Uh, we've got South Africans in the room. We've got Afrikaans in the room. We've got Sunat. God bless you, my friend. And there's so many different nations in this room. But the one thing we all have in common is the Holy Spirit. And that's the person of Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I'm going to share with you today, and it's our eternal hope. Our eternal hope. Now, for me, when I was preparing this message, it's actually a message that, again, like the message of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit, for me, it's not spoken about enough in the church because we can live a life where we progress and we develop and we grow as Christians. We read our word, we go to conferences, we come to churches, we have our Sunday services, we go to life groups. But try and think about the last time you heard anyone preach about our eternal hope. I struggled to go back and to kind of think, when was the last time I had a conversation with someone about our eternal hope? Now, when I say that, I say it because who is our eternal hope? Our eternal hope is Jesus, isn't he? That's who our eternal hope is in. If you've got your Bible, you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, that would be fantastic. If you've got a smartphone, you can go there as well. I prefer the paper version, New King James. Uh, this scripture is actually a powerful scripture, and it talks about, I've got three points that I want to share today that I kind of want to hit home. And there's actually a level of participation that I require from you guys today. Is that okay? Are you going to be up for that? So I would like you as well to pull this word from me. Is that all right? What I mean is, if I encourage you or edify or say something that you like, say amen. Okay. What that does for me, it builds me up in my spirit. As I'm standing here preaching, I've got notes and I've written these this week and I've prayed and I've done devotionals. But I'd sooner not read from any notes because I love preaching from the heart. 
I love preaching from the heart. It's the kind of Christian I am. I'm born again. I'm spirit-filled. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit many times. Not once, many times. That's what it says in the Word. So I'm going to read the Scripture. It says, But some may ask, How are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come in? The body that is sown is perishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. So that's 1 Christian, uh, 1 Corinthians, verse 15, 35, and that is also 42 to 44. When it talks about our eternal hope in the context of the Apostles' Creed, this actually refers to the confident expectation that the assurance that all believers hold firmly in the promises of God for eternal life and redemption through Jesus Christ. It encapsulates the belief in the resurrection of the dead, the forgiveness of sins, and the everlasting communion with God in heaven. This hope sustains and inspires Christians to live faithfully, knowing that their ultimate destin destiny lies in the eternal presence of God. So that's where my destiny lies. I've got a destiny. We have a destiny. Each of us, we have a destiny. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on. But we're going to get to see each other again as a family in heaven. And you know what? I think Lucas, I think Lucas shared that. There's certain people I'm going to go and look for. One of them being the man, his testimony. I hear the guy's testimony. That's how I got saved. I've never met the man before. He was an ex-professional wrestler. It was in a Prescott Christian Fellowship Church. And the guy was standing there with a the guitar. He was reading from the Bible. He shared his testimony. And I was stood at the back of the room. Didn't really want to know. But when he spoke from the word of God, it was powerful. It pierced me. But it didn't do anything with it. Until the end of the evening when I was, I was leaving and I went up to see the guy. I was quite respectful. I was in the military. I got hold of his hand. I made eye contact with him. I think that's important. And I couldn't let go of his hand. I couldn't let go of his hand. It was the Holy Spirit. There was a moment in heaven when the Holy Spirit had predestined that me, this little scally from two dogs, was going to give his life to Jesus right there and then. And I said yes to Jesus. And it was the greatest decision I have ever made. The greatest decision I have ever made. Okay, so this is where I want us to get interactive. There'll be certain words that I say that I would love you guys to kind of resonate and just to repeat them after me. Is that okay? I'll tell you what the words are. But for me, that it just encapsulates that our heart is our heart's like a sponge. Would we agree? Our heart's like a sponge. So when we say things out loud, I love in, in my old house, I don't do it so much in, in my new house, but I used to sit in my old house. And I would open the Psalms and I'd start at Psalm 1. And I'd speak the Psalms out in my kitchen. I'd just have a cup of coffee. And I'd speak the word of God out. 
I'd speak it out over my family. Some of them were songs. I would sing some of them. I haven't got a great voice like my son or my daughter, but it doesn't matter. Worship's worship from the heart, isn't it? So I, I was praying about hope. So that part of our eternal hope. When I was sitting down and I was, I did my first devotional, I asked God, what is hope? Because there's definitions of hope, isn't there? Hope is the unseen. And, and I, I come to the conclusion that people can live a life without hope. Is that true? Would you agree? Because I was one of those people. I lived a life that was without hope. I'm not going to tell you the, some of the, the things I did that I got up to. Some, some of you know. But I had no hope in the lifestyle that I led. The stuff that I did as a, as a young kid. I would do them just because it made me feel good. Because sin makes us feel good, doesn't it? We've naturally in our flesh got a sinful nature. But when we, when we put God first in what we do and we hope in the eternal... We hope in what God wants for us and not what we want. Suddenly the light comes on and something changes. Atmospheres change. Circumstances change. Your finances can change. Illness can change. All these things can change. So I wrote this. The absence of hope makes the heart sick. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's in Matthew 12, verses 34 to 40. So I say, if we have a sick heart, we have sick speech. Would you agree? So if my heart's sick, because I'm longing after something that isn't God, whatever I speak out of my heart, out of the abundance of my heart, if my heart's sick, I've got sick speech. And I believe the next step after that is, because I always look to the cross, I always look to God. If we have sick speech, we have a sick proclamation. Would you agree? So if, if, if I'm speaking all kinds of nonsense, and it isn't of God, I've got a sick heart. I'm, my proclamation's sick. And God doesn't want that. That's not part of his eternal hope for me. So what I say, church, is speak life over each other. Ask people to pray for you. It can be a text. It can be a phone call. You can meet with coffee. Say, listen, I'm really struggling. My, my, heart's, my heart's longing for something that isn't of God. You'll know what it is. Get right with God. Get your heart right with God. So I'm going to ask us a question. This is our first question. This is a challenge to us all as believers. How does the promise of the resurrection of the body lead us to think about our current bodies? How does the resurrection lead us to think about our bodies, our earthly, fleshly body? Now, the kids in the room, 
there's some young people in the room, okay? When I was a young man, I was stationed in Berlin in Germany for two and a half years. It's a vile place. It's a place that's full of darkness. And I didn't think about my body. I just went with the flow. I did what everyone else did. It was just a bit of a laugh. Cost me a fortune, but it, it, was, a, it was a bit of a laugh. I wasn't a Christian. My heart was sick. One Corinthians nine twenty seven says that the promise of the resurrection of the body encourages believers to think about their bodies with a sense of reverence and stewardship. Say reverence and stewardship. Fantastic. Well done, church. Recognizing that our bodies are not just temporary vessels, but we are an integral part. So this is our identity and our experience. Say identity and experience. Fantastic. This promise invites us to honor and care for our bodies in a way that reflects our hope in the resurrection. So I'm a, to I'm a totally different person now because I've got God in my life. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone resonates with that. I treat my body differently now. I don't use phrases like my body's a temple because I eat cakes. <laughs> I like Chinese food. I like to snack, okay? My body isn't a temple, I'm 54. But what I'm trying to emphasize Guys, is spiritually, our body, the flesh side of it, it's just, it's earthly. It's a blink of an eye. So I asked a question and I said, if I think about the resurrection of my body, this can lead to reflection of the value of my physical existence. So I... I initially, I thought about legacy. So my body, my earthly body, my dad's 90 this year. That's phenomenal. I genuinely hope I live till I'm 90 years old. I'll be able to see Wes growing up and developing as a young man, living his life, aspiring to do the things that making his mum and dad proud, and he'll make me proud. And I hope I get to that point where I, I can see the value and the legacy that I've given my physical life the stuff that I've done with it. And I also want to honor God in that. Because for me, that's the important thing. It's hard when we don't honor God, when we want to please ourselves and we become selfish. Try and honor God in everything that we do. It also prompts, I believe, believers to consider how they use their bodies in service to others when we worship God. There are some phenomenal servants in this room that are church. That means that your heart is so valuable to God because of the service that you put in. Listen, putting chairs out is one of the most valuable things you can do in a church. Trust me, it is. Never underestimate the value in your service. So moreover, contemplating the resurrection of the body 
that reminds us of our current bodies with all our imperfections and limitations. Say imperfections and limitations. And it's not the end of our story. So when our body dies, it's not the end of our story. So I've spoke about legacy and what we can leave and the value in what we do in our service to God in that. Rather, I say this is a part of our journey towards the fulfillment and the promises of God's restoration and renewal. Say restoration and renewal. So if you're a Christian, do you believe that you are restored and you are renewed? Amen, I do. But I have to work at that. Genuinely, I do. I have to read the word. I have to pray to become restored. Because this earthly, fleshly vessel longs for that eternal hope. I know there's people in this room who want to be with Jesus right now. I'm one of them. But I've also got an earthly existence that I love. I love my fleshly body that eats food and fellowships and goes to all these fantastic places. I've got family. I've got a church family. I love that. I, I am genuinely convinced I'll get a letter off probably William. I reckon he'll be king when I'm 100. Easy. I don't know about you. touched on this before heaven will be a Christian family reunion Carl that's me and you bro how does this lead us to think about our church relationships that's an important one isn't it so if I'm cutting someone up or not that I'm a snidey person I don't think I'm quite snidey but do you get what I'm saying in the flesh guys we can say something just quick off the bat that's all that's all stored God knows God sees all that he hears everything he sees everything I worry about that sometimes when I'm driving my job my job my wife will tell you my my driving's I, I think I'm a good driver she thinks I'm a terrible driver and sometimes when I'm on my own I have to put worship music on when I'm in the car because other people are they're the idiots and I'm in the right. You know <laughs> tell you. So heaven will be a Christian family reunion. How does this lead us to think about our church relationships? I believe the idea of heaven as a Christian family reunion encourages believers to consider the importance of the, the relationships that they have. Who do I exist with? Dave? You're probably my best mate. Uh, we've known each other, what? Coming close to 30 years? No? See, I'm terrible at driving. I'm also terrible at numbers and remembering. Yeah. See, I've got so much, and listen, Dave, Dave knows me, but I've got so much value in that relationship with that man. And I've only got that through God. Do you get me? We probably would never have met if it wouldn't have been for Jesus. That's probably right in saying. And you guys will have relationships that are like that as well. And it, it's hard. 
We have to work on these relationships. Fellowship, that's what it is. Fellowship means to grow and to love and to be one of you, to have that unity. So when we think about heaven in this way, I believe it, it, it prompts us as believers to prioritize and nurture our relationships within the church. It also encourages us to cultivate a sense of unity and belonging. Say unity and belonging. So they're really important. If we never had unity in this church, no chairs would get put out. Agreed? If I didn't believe that I belonged in this church, I wouldn't be standing here with a microphone in my hand speaking to you about Jesus, about my relationship with him. Is that true? Because if I didn't believe that I belonged here, I wouldn't be here. So getting to know Jesus and getting to know this God who set you apart, who chose you for the plan and purpose that's in your life, you have to belong to that Christian family. You have to want to pursue it. Does that make sense? So this is, this is, this is, this is the powerful side of what I'm going to say about family now. This is powerful. Furthermore, the notion of Christian family reunion in heaven highlights the significance of forgiveness. I'm going to say that again. Furthermore, the notion of a Christian family reunion in heaven highlights the significance of forgiveness. Come on, we don't hold grudges. We can't, because it will eat you up. Forgiveness is very significant in the Christian walk. There's people in this room who I know have lived and experienced the significance of what it, what it is to forgive and to be forgiven. I'm actually one of those people. My hand is well and truly raised. So we can live our life inside of our church community with grace. Our church relationships are built on mutual love and understanding. It reminds believers also to strive that we must live in harmony. And that when we interact with each, with each other, that we are all members of the same spiritual family. And what we have in common is the love of God. Because face it, I probably wouldn't have met half, I probably would have met Charlie because he's a cool guy. But I probably wouldn't have met half of the people in this room if it wasn't for Jesus. But you know what, guys? I am so thankful that I've met each and every one of you in this room. Do you know why? Because you've added value to my life. And I thank you for that. You've added value to my life. You, sometimes you might not feel like I have. But each and every person in this room, as I've got to know you over the weeks and the months and the years that we've been together as a fellowship, you've added value into my life. That's also two-way. You have to have an action in that. You have to react when you're tired and you don't want to go meet someone for coffee when you can't be bothered texting someone who needs encouraging or needs prayer. Because face it, we've all, we've all been there. But be encouraged that you add so much value to someone's life by just the little simple things that you do. 
So heaven will be a Christian family reunion. Amen. And I think this is quite cliched. I, I, I do hear people say this, but my eternal hope is in Christ. And there'll probably be people in heaven who believed in God and had very servant hearts and read the word and prayed fervently and tithed. But when it comes to the cookie crumbling, God's the judge. The only relationship I have is with Christ. He is my father in heaven. Like I said before, my, my, fa- my earthly father is still alive. I'm so thankful for that. I'm, I'm spending more time with him now as an earthly dad than I've ever done when I was younger because my dad was always working. He was always providing for his family. I, I missed out on certain things. I've never been to a football match with my dad, not one. So let's push on. So how should we live our Christian life? Should we live it with a a fragility? Should we be almost standoffish? Because I think you'll probably agree I'm not a standoffish person. For those of you who, who know me. I've had the privilege many times of preaching in a jail. It's way different than preaching in a church. Because there's a longing and a suffering that comes from the person that sat in front of you. They're desperate. They're absolutely desperate. And I'm listening, I'm not saying there's any difference with you guys, but there's a genuine, authentic longing. Because do you know why? They've tried absolutely everything. They've tried the drugs, the alcohol. They're in, re- they're in jail for a reason. They're there for a reason. Yes, they've committed the crime. Now, I actually believe the justice system's failing a lot of young men and young women. I don't believe it works. I believe true rehabilitation can only be found in Christ. I genuinely believe that. And again, there's people in the room who know my testimony. I've been locked behind the prison door. I've been there. It was only for 21 days, but it doesn't matter. I genuinely thought my life was over. But God has transformed my life. He's taken me to a place and places I never, ever thought I'd be. Do you know why? Because God is my eternal hope. He, it's him who I put my trust in. It says in Psalm 90, verse 12, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach me, Lord, to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. I talked about, uh, in the beginning, about having a sick heart and sick speech. And if you've got a sick heart, I believe that your proclamation is sick. But that psalm, if we speak that psalm over, over, our, uh, over ourselves, over our family, I believe there's power in that. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
one of the greatest gifts our heart can have is wisdom. It says that in the psalm. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I've only ever been to one burial service, a funeral service. I'm going to talk about death now just for a, a little a little short time. I've only ever been to one. It was heart-wrenching. It was actually someone on Joe's family, their side. It, it was her auntie. And we all stood around the, the hole in the ground. I'm sure Joe won't mind me sharing this, but her uncle, there was a song, and he had like a little tape recorder, and he put a, the favourite song on, and he just burst into tears, and he was wailing. He'd lost it to cancer, right? I recently, this week, lost a, a work colleague. A guy was one of my suppliers. He was only 56 years old. He was given two weeks to live. Barry, God bless you, me, for standing up and talking about such a, a vile disease. He went to see his doctor. He was feeling a bit unwell. And he found out that his body was riddled with cancer. And he was given two weeks to live. They put him on palliative care. The same day they put him on palliative care, he died within two hours. He's got a wonderful family. He's a granddad. The point I'm trying to make is church is get right with God. Be in that place where your heart pounds for Jesus. I've had many a conversation with that guy about the Lord. He was brought up Catholic. It doesn't matter. I give the guy the gospel so many times. And I believe he's with, with the Lord. I genuinely believe that. Because I've had conversations with him that I believe there was so much value in them conversations that the light would have come on and his last breath could have been to God. That was my hope. The phrase ashes to ashes, dust to dust is often used in the context of funerals and reflects the biblical idea of human mortality and the transient nature of earthly life. It reminds us of our humble origins and that the reality that our physical bodies return to dust upon our death. The resurrection, however, teaches us that life is not merely temporary or confined to an earthly place or realm. It offers us limitations beyond the morality. The Christian belief in the resurrection, particularly as exemplified the resurrection of Christ, affirms that life extends beyond the physical realm. So when my fleshly body, my earthly dust-to-dust body dies, my soul will live eternally with God. So this resurrection that teaches us that although our physical bodies may return to dust, there is a promise of spiritual renewal and transformation. Say renewal and transformation. Come on, we're still there. It also assures us that death is not the end, but rather a transition to a new and everlasting existence in the presence of God. That's what the eternal hope is. It's an everlasting existence in the presence of God. 
Okay, so I'm just going to summarize. So why do we believe that Jesus rose from the dead? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the Christian faith is a foolish fantasy. Let's have it. However, if the resurrection of Christ did occur, it confirms his life, his message, his atoning work is the basis of our hope and our life beyond the grave. Christ is alive and the evidence is overwhelming. Put your hand up if you're a Christian. Come on, guys, put your hands up if you're a Christian. You are evidence that Christ is alive. You are evidence that Christ is alive. I am evidence that Christ is alive. Because I would have been dead in a gutter long ago if it wasn't for Jesus. Trust me. Here are some of the, the reasons we can be sure. I'd like everyone to stand up. And I'm just going to say these words and then I'm going to pray for us. If you feel you want to repeat these words, just put your hand on your heart. Put your right hand, your left hand on your heart. Father, I stand here before you. And I testify to you, Jesus Christ, that you are my Lord and Savior. That the power of the risen Christ has transformed my life forevermore. I will love you. I will aspire, Lord, to run after your eternal hope. And I believe, Lord, that you died and you rose again for me. You took away my sin at the cross. And Lord, I long to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Please keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.livechurchwarrington.com.